The following sermon is a ministry of Hilton Head Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at hiltonheadpca.com. Keep praying for the church around the world. There are wonderful ministries, Voice of the Martyrs, the Persecuted Church, that you can get information from and to learn about those things. Um, It's amazing what God's doing. It really, truly is amazing to see the strength and the faith of our brothers and sisters in Christ uh, around the world. And I hope that we gain an appreciation in our own lives for what we have and what we've been given. Because what we've been given uh, is a great freedom. In this country, a freedom to gather this morning without fear of reprisal. We've been given uh, the privilege of having God's word in our own language to hold and to keep, to come and to go out from this place and to share the good news of the gospel without fear. And we need to see what that means as a church. We've talked over the last several weeks uh, about what is the church? Uh, What is her her mission we started with? That the mission of the church is the same mission uh, as Christ, who is the head of the church, uh, that is to go and to seek and save that which was lost, to proclaim the good news of the gospel, to proclaim the year of our Lord uh, in this time, that he is uh, alive, that he is alive, and that he is powerfully moving, and that the king is on his throne, and that his kingdom uh, shall not uh, end. Uh, the gates uh, of hell uh, will not prevail. Uh, it's an interesting picture. We're reading uh, within our staff uh, times. Uh, we're reading a book, and I appreciated Randy Pope, the pastor again at Perimeter. Uh, I know I commented on him last week, but he, he talks about in the picture, and I'd forgotten it. It says that, uh, that the church is going to be established, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he said, here's the picture. The gates of hell are stationary. We've translated that into the church is in a defensive position and the gates of hell, uh, that hell isn't going to prevail over us. When the picture that God is giving us is that the gates of hell are stationary and that the church is moving forward, the church triumphant, the church militant, and that the gates of hell will not prevail, will not be able to withhold uh, the onslaught of the kingdom of God. So we're not in the defensive position, but we're in a forward position, moving out, proclaiming the gospel of of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and seeing walls broken down, seeing lives transformed, seeing social uh, structures being changed, uh, seeing poverty being addressed, seeing all of the different things in our world being addressed because of the good news of the gospel. That's the mission of the church is to go out. And we're humble enough and wise enough to realize we at Hilton Head Presbyterian Church can't do that all on our own. So therefore, we have strategic partnerships that we partner with other ministries and other men and women, uh, both locally around our country and around the world, where we support them financially and we support them with prayer to send them out so that they can go and be there uh, in those strategic places, uh, going and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. And so that was our mission. That's the mission of the church. Now we've talked about what's the life of the church. We said that the church is important, that the local church is here, uh, that God established it, that it's a biblical truth and a biblical reality, and that membership of covenanting uh, yourself to a body of believers uh, is important within our day and age, a day that's just transient, uh, a day when people just move in and out of commitments, in and out of relationships, uh, that God is saying, I'm encouraging you and I want you when he covenanted us, say, I'm your God and you're my people, that we are to covenant together, to live together, and to grow together, to be challenged together. Uh, and it's not always easy. 
As iron sharpens iron, it says that we grow. And it's really easy. If there were no commitments and I start to get challenged by you, I just bail out. But if I have a commitment to stay connected to you, then we have to work together and both grow and all grow within that. And so now, today, what we're going to talk about is what is the life together here at Hilton Head Presbyterian Church and broadly at any church? What does it look like as far as its leadership, as far as its governance of what, is it, what does it mean to have elders and deacons and leaders within the church? And so my, my hope for you is, one, that you're informed today, that you understand why we do what we do here And that as you uh, go out and you're about in the world and maybe the Lord leads you to a different church or you're visiting and you go back to your church to understand a biblical framework of what leadership within the church looks like, uh, what God has defined the church and what it's all about. And so that's where we're going to go today. If you have your Bibles uh, and then right after the service, um, members of the church are going to be invited to stay for just a few minutes for our congregational meeting and then uh, we'll be done for the day. But we're beginning this morning with a simple little passage from Philippians uh, chapter 1. Let's ask God's blessing on this time. Father, would you bless now the reading and hearing of your word? Would you send your spirit to enliven us? Would we, with great humility, sit under the authority of your word and let it shape us and not with pretense or with arrogance think that we can shape it? We praise you and give you glory in Christ's name. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers, that is the elders, and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul understood that the church that he was helping to establish in his ministry uh, was a church that had structure. It was a church that had overseers. It was a church that had offices. And he understood the importance of the biblical model, the model that had been given to him by the Lord, and that he was now teaching and spreading to all the churches in there in the ancient Near East. And so what we're going to look at this morning are several things about the church, its head, what's the ministry of the body of the church, the members of the church, who are the leaders of the church, and what does it look like. But let me ask you a question this morning. Uh, Now, preaching is normally not interactive, uh, but I am going to ask you to raise your hands. Um, And so even you Presbyterians, you can raise your hands uh, for this. How many of you, actually you won't uh, if you're Presbyterian, how many of you uh, come from non-Presbyterian backgrounds? Look around, guys. That's pretty amazing. That is the vast majority Uh, of our church comes from non-Presbyterian backgrounds, which means that there's probably some confusion that you have or some misunderstandings you have, but why do we do things the way that we do them uh, around here? Uh, You may even, uh, when you tell people uh, where you go to church, you may say, oh, I go to Hilton Head Church, Uh, and uh, you kind of downplay and diminish that. I was kidding with uh, a pastor friend of mine recently Uh, that he's uh, a leader of a community church uh, in another community. And uh, I said, yeah, but you're Southern Baptist, right? And he goes, no, I'm not. I said, well, where where does your ordination stand? He said, well, I'm ordained Southern Baptist. I said, therefore, you're Southern Baptist. He said, yeah, but we don't say that in our church. We don't want people to know that in our church. 
And there's a movement, not just in the Southern Baptist Convention, but there's a movement around today to remove any denominational names from churches. And I'm here just to tell you about our church. We're going to keep Presbyterian in it, not because of pride, uh, but because I think it's important to distinguish who we are and what we believe uh, and to bring back the beauty and the biblical essence of what it means to be Presbyterian. Because, you see, it's important to know that in a Presbyterian church, we are ruled uh, by presbyters, by elders who are ordained and called by God and set apart by the congregation. We submit ourselves to those godly men, uh, and they lead us under the authority of the true shepherd, Christ. And that we want to celebrate these good things, and we want to understand them. So if you're from a different background, we're thankful that you're here. I love the fact that we come from different backgrounds. Um, I've celebrated and worshipped in all kinds of different traditions, from uh, Presbyterian to Assemblies of God to non-denoms to all the different things. But I love what God is doing in our church. And I want you to be informed. I want you to be able to go out. And when someone maybe says, so where do you go to church? You can say Hilton Head Presbyterian Church. And you can then begin to maybe explain when they say, so what in the world does it mean to be Presbyterian? You can explain uh, the biblical mandate for what we think that we have from Scripture. So the first thing that we're going to see together this morning is this. Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. Not this church, but Christ is the head of any church and every church. Ephesians 5, 23. Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Colossians 1, 18. Christ is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, from that in everything he might be preeminent. In Ephesians 4, grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body makes bodily growth and upholds itself in love. So the church is like a body that gets its leadership and its nourishment from its head. It is Christ Jesus. And that the church is not like any other human organization. The church isn't like any other organization, human organization, primarily in this. One, it's not an organization, it's an organism. The church is never defined and never discussed in Scripture as an org chart. It's not with squares and lines connecting to this, this, and this, but it is a body. It is a living, breathing, moving, growing organism uh, that it ebbs and it flows, that there is life within it, but all of that life derived from its head. And so it's different from any other organization. And it's different from any other human organization, not only because it's not an organization, but an organism, because it's not human by its very nature. That Christ is the head, and because Christ is the head, therefore, how we understand ourselves is driven by how we understand him. That we don't go to any other structures within the world and say, this is how we should be ruled, this is how we should be structured, this is how we should be governed. That it's a unique governance and a unique rule given to us by Christ. That our country had a thought at one point that we were one nation, what? Under God. And there was a thought that somehow this would be a theocracy, this nation. But what it found out was that any human organization can't do that if Christ isn't at the head. That if he's not preeminent. And so what we find about our church is Christ Jesus is the head. He is the top of it all. And what I want you to understand by that is this. I have to submit myself 
to him and to his rule. That the elders and leaders of this church submit themselves to his care and to his rule. That all the documents that we have within our church, a book of church order from our denomination, which if you're wondering, it's the Presbyterian Church of America. And we have a book of church order. It sits and is submitted to and is in authority under the word of God, not above it. Our Westminster Confession of Faith and other confessions and catechisms come and sit under the authority of God's word and of God himself as the head. That's important to note because some of you come from different backgrounds and different places where that's not the case. One of the main differentials that we make with, say, a Roman Catholic church uh, is that in a Roman Catholic tradition, uh, the Pope's word, the papal bull, and that the deeds and the statements of the church are on equal plane with the word of God. We don't believe that to be true and incredibly dangerous. And, And so we submit everything to that. We also understand, and I understand, that I'm a man under authority. And I'll talk about that a little bit more later. But there is a... There is a terrifying movement within the American church today that there are men and women in leadership of massive congregations who have absolutely no oversight that what they say goes and that it is given almost, they wouldn't say it, but it is given almost equal status with the word of God. Matthew, my son and I, a number of years ago visited uh, one of these churches. And I, I don't want to ever criticize or critique without having gone and experienced and been there and studied and be. And I went to this church and we were there and we were uh, in. And I finally just had to stand up and leave. And Matthew came with me and we left because constantly the service was spoken about in this way. Well, we were so thankful to Pastor Steve. And we're so thankful to the pastor for giving us the authority to do this and for the pastor for doing this and for the pa- the pastor had become the head of the church. And I said, man, I just can't stay. I can't do it. You can't be at a church where Christ is not the head and every leader underneath that head. And I want you to hear this. That's what we hold here at our church. We don't do it perfectly, but we try to do it as best as we can, that Christ is the head of this church. And so if you ever hear anything from me or the leadership of the church that would be to the contrary of that, I beg you two things. Don't leave. Fight for this church. Don't just leave, but fight for this church. Because the church is greater than any individual within a church. I remember speaking to the elders when I first came, and one of the things we talked about was how uh, the pastor can be and should be removed from his office. Because this church is bigger than me. This church is Christ's church and bigger than any individual within it. And so I want you to know that, and I want you to hear that uh, in that way. The second thing that we're going to see, Christ is the head of the church. The second thing uh, is that all the members of the church are the ministers and the priests. That all the members of the church are the true ministers and priests. 1 Peter 2.9 You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, that you may declare the wonderful deeds of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Revelation 1, 5, and 6. He loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. 
You see, nowhere in the scripture is there a priesthood of clergy, that the clergy are set apart as something uh, where everybody should be drawn to them. I've had people who've come from different traditions who've said to me, Bill, I need to see if I can come this week and confess my sins to you. And I go and I try to remind them of the beauty of scripture. There is one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Jesus or Christ Jesus. You see, there, that all of us are the ministers of this church, not me. Not just Tim, not just Matt, not just Andrew, not just Abby, not just the staff of this church, but all of us as members of this church are the priests and ministers of this church. Do you understand that? Do you know what that means, by the way? That means get busy. That means God has uniquely gifted you. That means that he has poured out his spirit within you to do ministry in his name. That means that God has brought you here with all of your uniqueness and this gathering of people with all of the combined unique gifts and giftedness that we have in order to make this body stronger to go out and to do things. That it is not centralized through my office. It's not centralized through the session or the governance commission. It is not centralized in that way. Now, we oversee these things. But you don't have to have us go and do it. So if I was to ask you the question, who are the ministers of the church? You may in your mind go, well, there's Bill, and there's Tim, and there's that. that." No, the answer to that is we are. So who are the ministers of this church? Therefore, you need to be praying, God, what unique calling do you have on my life? How have you uniquely gifted me? And where do you want me to use that giftedness within the body of Christ here at Hilton Head Presbyterian Church? And around the world. Everyone should be ministering. By the way. No offense to those of you who are retired. But I would love for you. To give a biblical argument for retirement. From the Bible. You will not find it. My father's entire ministry. The last few years of his life. Was to try to create refirement. Instead of retirement. To see the senior members of the church refired in their passion for ministry. And and to get away from, well, I've already done that. I've done my time in nursery like it was a dungeon. I've done my time in mentoring you young whippersnappers. And I remember sitting with a man who had had loved his wife for 50-some years. Well. And every morning they sat at their breakfast table. And they prayed for their children by name. And they prayed for their grandchildren by name. And I said, would you be willing to mentor some of the younger men in my generation and the generations behind me? Would you be willing? And he goes, I don't have anything to offer them. I said, oh, oh, you've missed it. My generation and younger are desperate for you older men to step forward and to go, let me share my life with you. And older women, the scripture beseeches you to share your lives with the younger women. One of the reasons my mother, who's been a widow now for 22 and a half years, has never gotten remarried is she read the scripture and she said, I can be more effective in ministry as a widow than I could be as a remarried woman. And she believes that and she's been effective and she just got uh, in her church set apart to a church office two weeks ago. And it's often awesome to see my 82 year old mother ministering. She went on a mission trip at 67 years old and stayed for two years. She loved it so much. She stayed in Costa Rica for two years. It's not about age. But all of us have something to minister. Young people, you have a ministry. God has gifted you with a ministry. And we want you to see that flourish in your church. 
And I'm letting you know, we don't do it perfectly. There's some of you who are frustrated with me. You said, hey, I want to do this and I want to do that. And we're, we're, gonna, we're trying. And we want to free you to go do ministry. But we have to give good oversight on that as well. Uh, but not to, to keep it from happening. And each of you is a priest, it says. I've said before, each of you lives within a neighborhood. You live within a place that God set you. I pray that you would view that as your parish. That you would minister. Instead of saying about your neighbors, boy, I can't wait to introduce them to you, Bill. Introduce yourself to them. Be the minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ to your neighbors. Uh, Instead of saying, boy, I can't wait to get my neighbors to come to church. Take church to them. With a meal. And a plate of cookies. Or an invitation. Or or to know your neighbors. To know them so well that you can share the gospel with them. You can encourage them. If you want to, be the best party throwers in the church. You ever heard of a Matthew's party? A Matthew's party, I think I mentioned this before. Matthew's party uh, is when Matthew Levi uh, came to be a believer. He gathered together. You know who he hung out with? He hung out with everybody who wasn't a believer. And so he became a believer and he said, oh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to grab Jesus, some of the apostles, and all my old buddies. And we're going to have dinner together. And he had a party. And he introduced them all together. Well, I'd love for this church to get in the habit of doing Matthew's parties. Invite some of your Christian friends and some of your non-Christian friends together in the hope of exposing your non-Christian friends to believers and to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then one day when you say, hey, I'd love for you to come to this event or I'd love to talk to you about church, they go, man, I don't want to do with those church people. Well, you know all the folks you gathered with last Saturday night who you seem to enjoy and love so much? Those are church people. Those are Christians. That's the people I'm inviting you to hang out with. Oh, oh, they're normal. Oh, okay. You know, that's what the non-believing world is asking. Are you people normal? And we've got to go out and show them yes and no. We're normal individuals who live an abnormally different life for Jesus Christ. So you're the ministers and the priests. You're the ministers uh, in this church. So Christ is the head of the church. That we're all members and priests within the church. However, uh, the third point, there is leadership structure within the church. That God calls some of the members of each congregation uh, to serve in official capacities, to lead in official capacities, to feed the church in official capacities. Hebrews thirteen seven. remember your leaders, those who speak to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. Well, that'll keep a lot of folks from ever wanting to be a leader. Consider the outcome of their life. Imitate their faith. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. obey your leaders. And submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as men who will give an account. First Thessalonians 5, we beseech you, brethren, to respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord. And admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. And when Paul was speaking of the elders at Ephesus in Acts 20, take heed to yourselves. And to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. So the congregation uh, under Christ and by his word uses its authority to recognize and affirm certain leaders in official capacities. So there are set apart leaders. That doesn't mean that they're greater individuals, that they're more superior, that they're closer to God uh, or any of that. Uh, There's not an uber member. Uh, There's not a good old boy system. Uh, that's at work within, there have been historically within churches to uh, the sadness of the church. But there are leaders and they're called out 
It says that the qualifications for leaders are, again, remember we said this isn't a human organization, therefore we don't get our qualifications for leadership from human organizations around the world, but we are a Christian under Christ organism, and therefore we get our rules, we get our qualifications from Christ, therefore, and we look to what are the leaders supposed to look like? And the leaders in Scripture say that they should be those who are passionate about Christ. Those whose lives imitate what they teach and say that they believe. Those who are above reproach within their community. Those who lead their households well are not drunkards, are not given to gossip and to slander. Uh, Those who have a consistency within their life. Those who are knowledgeable of the word of God. So knowledgeable of the word of God that they're able to teach it. We're having a difficult time in the life of our church finding individuals who are able to teach. That's sad, folks. Because what that means is we as a church, historically and the church in general, has failed in its discipleship efforts to train you well. And then to free you to use your gifts. Remember who are the ministers and leaders of the church? You are. And so you're to go and use those gifts in that way. So there are leaders in the church, and we submit ourselves to those leaders. We support those leaders. And that not everybody should want to be a leader. Paul says, be careful. If anybody desires to be, to be a teacher, be careful, because you give a higher account for yourself uh, on that day. Look at this. It's as if Paul said here, not as if, not Paul, but the writer of Hebrews said this, obey your leaders, submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. That sounds awesome. Man, that's cool. As men who are going to give an account. I think about one day, I don't understand how it all works. I don't understand heaven fully. I don't understand rewards and non-rewards or crowns and jewels and all of that stuff. But I do know this. God says of me, Bill, because you followed my call into ministry and you are the leader of Hilton Head Presbyterian Church, you will give an account to me one day of the souls that have been given to your care. If you don't think that makes me pause, if you don't think that makes me work more than one day a week to take very heavily the care and concern of the souls of this church that are given to my care, And I've sat with the elders of this church and watched them with tears in their eyes realize the gravity of that statement. And of the little children who went out. That Jenny Montgomery's teaching children's church. And you go, woohoo! What's she teaching them? She's going to have to give an account of what are you teaching these little children? Christ says it's better to have a millstone around your neck and cast into the depths of the sea than to lead one of my children astray. There is a weightiness to leadership, folks. This isn't being elected to some board of trustees. This isn't an honor that's bestowed upon you because you've been here the longest or you gave the most. This is a high and humble calling for only some within the church. And we take it very seriously. And that's why the men that are being presented to you today for election, I hope that, and I hope next year, that as you consider the nominees, that you will take very seriously the process of even nominating a person for these offices. Because these men have, with great searching of heart, asked, and they sought the Lord, 
and humbly have said, we're willing to serve if God so ordains it. So we have leaders within the church. We have leaders within the church, and we as members of the church are to submit to them. And you go, well, Bill, that's easy for you to say. You're the pastor. You don't have to submit to anybody. Do you want to know who the leader, the, my bosses are in this church? It's, every, it's not every one of you, but it's every elder who sits on that elder session. They're my bosses. I submit to them. That I come to them. Some things were happening in my life recently, and I went to some of them, and I said, I want to share this with you, and I trust the wisdom of God through you of what we should do with this matter. And they prayed about it, and they gave me wise counsel. And I trust and submit myself to them. I think I told you this story before. I'm in ministry because I believe so fully in this truth. As I came out of the bank in the banking industry and was going into ministry, I came to the elders of my church at Forest Hill Presbyterian Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I sat and came to the elders and I said, watch my life. And if you see within me the qualifications and the giftedness to be an elder in the church and a pastor in the church, then I'll pursue that. But if you don't, I'll go back into banking and love Christ well as a banker. And after a season of time, they came to me and said, Bill, we believe that you are called by God to do this. I submitted myself to them. Some of you are going, that is absolutely foreign. The, dis the inherent distrust that we have for authority uh, is palpable in our lives. And Christ is calling us, this is a church under authority, and you as members of this church are members under authority. Do you understand that? And so therefore, it's incredibly important that we put the right men uh, in the places of leadership within this church, of elder and of deacon. And that's what this morning we're going to do. That the, see, the elders of the church were those set apart. These were the leaders of the congregation uh, set apart uh, to shepherd and to give life and to feed the church in uh, that way. The various scriptures that come together. But the ultimate function of the elders was to feed and to lead the church. Or to put it another way, the elders are responsible for teaching and governing the congregation. As leaders, they give guidance and direction to the church. As teachers, they oversee the life of the church to preserve its biblical faithfulness. They are wardens of the word of God at this church. And so we have biblical elders in place that we believe God is setting apart and putting in those places. And this morning, uh, we're putting before you uh, Richard McDonald and George Towns. Uh, of men who meet the biblical qualifications written there in 1 Timothy chapter 3 uh, for the office of elder. And that they'll be set apart next week if, the, if your vote is such, that they'll be set apart next week, ordained and installed in those offices uh, in this church. And so they're the ones who are to care for the governance, to care for the word of God, to care for you and shepherd you in that way. And then there's another office, and the office is that of deacon. And the office of deacon was established in Acts chapter 6 uh, when the elders and the apostles of the church said there is so much going on for the tangible needs of the people, for feeding of the Greek widows, for taking care of the table, for taking care of all of these things. We need to set apart another group of men uh, to come and to serve. And they set apart Stephen and the others there to be deacons, that they would come and they would serve. You see, from elder, the word that we come, Presbyterian, comes from a word that's in the Greek presbyteros. Elder or shepherd, that's where we, we sit under presbyters. That's where Presbyterian comes from, by the way, if you wondered. Uh, that we come from that biblical word presbyteros or presbyter there. And deacon comes from the biblical word diaconos, that Christ 
came to deacon and not to be deaconed and that we're called to deacon among one another. But there was a group that was called to care for the physical needs of the church, to take care uh, of the things of the church, the finances of the church, uh, the care of the widows and the orphan, of the single moms, uh, of the children in that regard, of those physical needs and to help disperse the needs, uh, disperse goods uh, to the needs of the community around the church. So elder and deacon, those are the two offices within our church. And I want, to do, I want to be quick on this. I want you to hear something. The diaconate, that is the gathering of the deacons, the deacons are not a developmental league for elders. They're not the class AAA uh, group that's playing, hoping to make it to the show one day. But these are men, and in Scripture, I'm going to be honest uh, here, uh, the New Testament speaks of deaconesses, and there are women who served uh, in, in high capacities, and what we're working with our deacons and with our women's ministry is to come along and to get women who are serving to come alongside with our deacons and serve together in ministry. Uh, and so there are deacons, uh, but they're called to be deacons. And there are elders who are called to be elders. I've said to our elders and deacons, one of the very first meetings, I said, folks, here's the reality, guys. There's some elders who should be deacons, there's some deacons who should be elders, and there's some of you who should be neither. And it's my role and prayerfully the role of the Holy Spirit to convict the life of the individual to know what those things are. And so we put these men before you this morning, trusting that they have the giftedness to serve within the church, to serve your needs. That's the role of deacon. And we want to change some things and work together to see that happen more effectively. So this morning, I just want you to know about your church. I want you to have a clear conscience as you come here and you join with us. We're going to have a new members class coming up in March. And if you're considering that, we, we don't hide back anything. There's not some secret little group that's making all the decisions, but the things are out there. Some of you have asked, Bill, could we see some of the information of the church more readily and we'll do a better job of communicating more openly? We have nothing to hide. We don't want to hide our finances. We don't want to hide our vision and values. None of that to have available for you. And so as you come, I want you to know this. We take very seriously the role of leadership in this church. And here's what I'd love to see over the course of the years that we have together. More and more of you using your gifts as ministers and priests. So when it does come time to elect and to put into positions of elder and deacon, there is a growing group of people who are already doing that ministry in the church. I remember when I was considering getting married, I asked a pastor friend of mine, I said, how is it that a Christian man uh, finds a wife? And he said, well, if you're growing with Christ, then here's what you should do. Look to your left and to your right and see if there are any women who are right alongside you in that and then find one of those and marry them. Lisa was way ahead of me, so I had to hurry up and go get her. Uh, but that's the same in the church. Where do we find elders and deacons? We find them from people in the church who are already serving in those capacities, and we just pull them in. We say, would you officially do this? So that's your church. About time to wrap up. But I want you to know, Hilton Head Presbyterian Church is a church under the authority of Jesus Christ as its head, made up of a wonderful group of several hundred people with incredible giftedness to minister and to be priests in his name, but with leaders set apart under God's authority to rule and for us as members to submit ourselves to them and to pray for them and encourage them.